Did you know Bold Commerce has some of the best apps to increase the size of almost all your orders? Maybe you're looking to run store-wide sales with countdown timers. Boom! Bold Discounts will run your scheduled promos with just a few clicks, no coupon codes required. Or maybe you're looking to maximize average order value. You could count on Bold Upsell, Bold Motivator, or Bold Bundles. With Bold Upsell, you can offer product upgrades, cross-sales, or complimentary products as free gifts. With Bold Bundles, you could boost average order value by bundling a few products or an entire collection so that your customers can mix and match items to get a discount. Now, hey, when was the last time you made an online purchase and saw a message like, spend 15 more dollars for free shipping? With Bold Motivator, you could do that same thing and more. Offer free shipping, free product, or even a percentage off the entire order. Pick and choose which apps are best for you, or use them all to boost conversion at an average order value. With free bold apps for 14 days, there's no excuse not to try and boost your sales this year. To get this special offer, go to boldcommerce.com slash Kurt. That's boldcommerce.com slash K-U-R-T. So I'm going to L.A. this week. I don't know. My brain's not ready. <laughs> your, ba- your brain's not ready for uh, my brain manufactured not, banter? My brain... Well, you, the banter's not manufactured. You, the first line is thought up ahead of time, like independently, and then the person that thinks it up just yells it out. Yeah. And then the other person has to react. You obviously beat me to it. And my brain's not ready to react. I'm glad we've, we've broken down. I like that we have broken down the anatomy of a, a cold open. That's literally how they go. Like, when we sit down and you're setting up all the cameras, I'm kind of like, ooh, I'm going to say this when he starts recording, and that's how we're going to start the show. And then I say the thing, and we just roll from there. You know what my favorite cold open is? <laughs> what? The, I sat down. I said, all right, I hit record. You said, are we recording? I said, yeah. And you said... I, so I stuck my hand in baby vomit this morning, <laughs> and I knew that that was both true, and uh, really, really caught me off guard. And I was in the same position where I'm like, I, I can't follow up with that. Yeah, exactly. I got nothing. I mean, you're going to LA, great. There you go, LA I for e-commerce day. To say, but you know, I don't really have anything. In and out, quick adventure. You just you're speaking at an e-commerce thing. Yeah, I'm speaking at uh, e-commerce day. Is that is that something that you're well versed in e-commerce yeah do you feel you feel comfortable <laughs> talking about that uh you, you know i st- still have that imposter I, but you syndrome. don't fake it till you make it i mean i get it yeah yeah i figure like i'm 10 years into this eventually i'll stop feeling like an oh imposter. all right all right someday well, you know the late vin scully uh r.i.p he died yesterday uh who was the play-by-play announcer for the dodgers for 65 years kurt Largely regarded as the greatest announcer of all time, Kurt, who doesn't know who Vin Scully is. I am so glad to pretend to not know sports as an audience surrogate so you can explain it gently to the people who don't know, who aren't me. Uh, When he announced his retirement, he said he had to retire because he felt like eventually people were going to figure out he didn't know what he was doing. (laughs) Even though he's regarded as the greatest like baseball person who ever lived. (laughs) So even the people with decades of experience who are... The like absolute number one best at what they do, top of their game, who have received many accolades, awards, A and Wikipedia entries, <laughs> are still like, you know, I don't know. So eventually, people are going to catch on that I'm just faking it. 
I love those stories because you know imposter syndrome. It's it's in your head, and by by virtue of fearing that you don't know what you're doing, that's what makes you strive to be better. Where you get into trouble is where you're like, I absolutely know what I'm doing, and no one could tell me otherwise, and I don't need to figure out anything else because I already did. That's when you're in trouble. That's like, all right, now you need to go look up Dunning-Kruger. Uh, do you want to talk about your sneaker arbitrage that is tangentially related to Shopify? There, oh Man, I read this article. Uh, NiceKicks.com, which is a sneaker blog, did this incredible expose about, uh, was it Zad Sneakers, I think was the name of the business? In Oregon, the guy was reselling, pre-selling and reselling sneakers through a backdoor deal on a Shopify store. Yeah, he clearly had someone inside at Nike that was feeding him thousands of rare Nikes before they hit the market. And this is like that in that industry, that's not an uncommon thing. It drives people nuts. Well, as well, it should. But the fact that it, sneakers became like their own weird investment class of assets, or somewhere around 2019 is what has caused this. I mean, there's just so much money in it. But no, this guy would, was uh, running a, a legitimate sneaker resale business. It was a Shopify store uh, until it wasn't, and he was just borrowing to make up for uh, refunds that and sales he could not have possibly fulfilled. Yeah, he and was, now he's got uh, federal charges. Yeah, he was selling more sneakers than he had than was, like, scamming other people to get money to do the refunds for the sneakers he didn't have. And then he was like forging loan documents and now he's probably gonna go to prison. <sighs> for the amount of money stolen and the amount of people who got hurt, I hope so. Got hurt is a relative term. Well, it was really like there was an excerpt there because people would buy sneakers and resell them and make money. And then so they'd say, oh, the, this works. I, I trust this guy. And then they would pool their money. Like there was one guy who uh, he sold his house and took the proceeds of that and bought sneakers. And then, of course, once he made the big purchase and it was like 750000 or a million, then he was at, never got the sneakers. He's out the money. And it's not like when it's a wire transfer. There's no credit card going to protect you. Um, PayPal often would not help these people because they'd say, well, you're a reseller, so it doesn't count. I'll link to it in the show notes. We should dedicate our own, maybe dedicate uh, or an episode or part of an episode to discussing this because it really, it was interesting and fascinating. Did you know, I learned from this article, Shopify gift cards have a $9,999 hard cap on them. That's the max you can issue a gift card for. Well, I was going to give my mom a $15,000 Shopify gift card for her birthday, but now I can't. Well, so you have to give her two. Oh, okay. You divide it across two. And that's what, what this guy started doing before switching to a third-party gift card app. Yeah, because, it, yeah, instead of giving people cash refunds, he would give them refunds on a Shopify gift card, which is against the Shopify toss. Yeah, the Shopify, had they known, they would have shut a store down. Yeah. And part of that scam was he'd say, well, you, you know, yeah, you want a refund, but if we give you the refund, we'll have to ban you from ever buying again. But you could stay a customer and we'll give you a gift card for 110%. You get 110% refund, but it's store credit. That's essentially what they did. And so it kept the scam going. It was another variation on Ponzi scheme. But this time with sneakers and uh, something like $70 million. My main thing is if you acquire a Lambo due to crimes, don't post pictures of your Lambo online. All crime-related things 
don't document your ill-gotten gains on Instagram stories. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, that's because that, that's always just going to end up as evidence in your trial. Yeah. All right. We did it. <laughs> we did it. Uh, my brain didn't work. We primed the pump. Now it's going. Yeah, we, we worked out a cold open. The show's nice. over. <laughs> nice talking to you folks. This is the unofficial Shopify podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Elster. I'm joined by show producer Paul Rita. And today... Tech nasty. What the... Ah! Tech nasty. And today we're discussing your burning questions as sourced from our Facebook group, the unofficial Shopify podcast insiders. Ooh-wee. Any other news items, housekeeping items? Oh, I got one. Shopify invested, TechCrunch reported this, invested $100 million in Clavio. And... Clavio is now officially the, this is our uh, recommended email provider for Shopify Plus merchants. What surprised, when I saw this going around, a common sentiment was people saying. It wasn't? Yeah. (laughs) Hold on. Shopify hadn't invested in them and they weren't the go-to solution? That's how natural that pairing is. That's like peanut butter and jelly. We don't know any, we don't have any clients that aren't on Clavio. I'm sure there's like one, and it's probably because they migrated from something else, and it's like a legacy yeah, yeah. decision. But yeah, no, it, I mean that's that's like nine out of ten. I like it; it's nice. So, what do we think? Shopify owns like ten percent of Clavio now. All right, I looked up Clavio's. No, Clavio's uh, valuation nine and a half billion. What? Yeah. What? Okay, so they own not ten percent of Clavio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, you know, uh, good news to see see those things tightening the relationship. All right. An AMA episode in which we ask our Facebook group members, what are you struggling with right now? Tell us. And they share, and then we go through. And the ones that we definitely know the answer to, I include. And a few that are uh, above my pay grade, too technically esoteric, I throw out. We've got the list. Is Facebook still a viable advertising platform? Yeah. I mean, of course it is. Why would it not be? Like, I understand your ROAS went down. You couldn't, you can't do the same thing you were doing two years ago and achieve the same results. That's all that's happened. So, but that doesn't mean it's dead and you can't use it anymore. I would agree with that sentiment. Yeah, it's, ROAS went down. I think it bottomed out because it now i our, our clients that stuck with facebook advertising kept at it were sophisticated had experience with it struggled everybody suffered with it post ios 14's privacy changes in the last uh quarter we see things getting progressively better and supposedly like all right people are figuring their way around it the algorithm is figuring its way around it there are it is improving and for sure if you could get a 4x roas which is what we're seeing now that's profitable. You could profitably acquire new customers with that. And so, yes, I think the answer is, yes, it is still viable. But, it, you know, digital marketing, it is a, a fast-evolving and changing thing. And so, you know, that advice works now, but that's different than advice 24 months ago, and that's going to be different than advice 12 months from now. Uh, where should e-com sites get the most for their advertising dollar? Depends. Like, it depends on what your audience is. What is your audience? Where is your audience? That would be the place where you would get the best bang for your buck, probably. Now, we'll say, I think no matter what, you you have to be doing some level of digital marketing. Like, the whole thing is one machine. You have to feed the beast. And so, like, Google Shopping, Google Performance Max campaigns, 
a variety of Facebook and Instagram ads. That's like our, we've got our PPC channels. If your audience is on TikTok, people are experimenting with TikTok, um, TikTok ads. And I think the, but people are also starting to explore new avenues now. And so there's a renewed interest in marketplaces, you know, just like, hey, I'm going to put in the effort and list my stuff and get it in front of as many eyeballs as possible. Like I can list my stuff on Amazon, Walmart, Etsy, eBay, Wish. There is no manner, no end to the number of marketplaces with Shopify integrations that will happily uh, try and sell your stuff for you. And so we see that as well. Um, and what's the, and then like people starting to look into previously less common things. So like direct mail, make it a comeback. Woo, post pilot, plug there. And there was another one I saw. Oh, and like uh, people taking renewed interest in, in more traditional things, PR and SEO. And so we're going to do an episode, next week's episode, I think, assuming everything goes well, will be um, uh, how to be your own best publicist. Peter has a question about your agency, Paul. Oh, uh, would we consider working with a non-plus retail store, not DTC? Well, we have non-plus clients, and it's a retail store that's selling online. Yeah, that sounds good. If you sell online on Shopify, you could be our client. I am potentially interested in helping you sell more stuff more often to more people. That is the only requirement, is that you are selling things online on Shopify or would like to start doing that to yeah. become our client. And then, like, sometimes things are, are too esoteric. Yeah, but then sometimes you ask for something weird or, like, you can't even spell your own name right in the application form, in which case we might reject you. Or we think, like, you sell, like, you know, baby seal skins. We don't like that. Like, sure, there are some exceptions. But for the most part, the, the barrier to entry is, will, are you selling stuff on Shopify or plan to? Yeah, if, yeah. if you do that, then, then we'll say, tell me more. Yes. And, Tell me more might lead to things that we go, get out of here. <laughs> anyway, to, to answer Peter Roy Barlow's question directly, just email me, message me. I'm happy to discuss it with you. Thank you for asking. Best advice for a growing e-commerce company, I guess, when dealing with inventory. How to balance running out of things versus tapping into credit to keep up and expand, blah, blah, blah. Tell me, Mr. I have an MEA. How do we do that? Because I, I don't know any of that shit. Well, all right, so two things. Traditionally, there's two things that are going to help you here. A, inventory forecasting, which, as far as I could tell, is look at the previous period's numbers and make a informed guess based on that uh, for your prediction, and then combine that with, hey, most businesses, especially ones that have to manufacture or purchase inventory, have lines of credit with a bank. It is a... You're never going to regret having a line of credit available to you, even if you don't use it. Um, so that's, that is often the case. But that, there are also easier options now, like Shopify Capital, and um, there's a lot of online services that will give you capital. I think, uh, if we want to be creative here, pre-sales, pre-orders are a really great way to try and get that cash up front for the inventory you need and to help predict this is how much I'm going to need because I'm going to need however much to fulfill the pre-sales then some, and then some. And so I like that idea. But I'm not I'm not an expert at this one and this question has come up before and the I've asked around and the answer is it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, you're probably going to screw it up more than once. I stupidly watch a lot of like those business shows that I know are re technically still reality shows and thus not real. 
but there's so many stories of people who are like, I totally screwed up my inventory, I bought too much shit, or I didn't buy enough shit, and now I can't fulfill my orders, and then everyone canceled, so because I couldn't fulfill the orders, I lost all this money, like, you know, that's a scary thing. It's one of the reasons we've never gone into, even though we're sales geniuses, obviously, we've <laughs> never gone into selling a physical good because we're, like, too scared of the manufacturing and shipping process and inventory management. I know. The nice part about being a e-commerce consultant is, like, I get to stay in my lane. Yeah, it's like, well, we're going to do the part that we're smart at, and the stuff that we're not smart at, that's not our problem. What's something you just can't live without? For this Shopify merchant, it's Zipify one-click upsell. $10 of extra revenue on every single order, 30% increase for us in average order value. You can't live without it as a Shopify store owner. What would be a game changer for your business? For this merchant, it's a simple Shopify app. Zipify one-click upsell. It's definitely a game changer. It's adding about $9 in extra revenue for every customer that we bring in. That's right. Our number one app that we've been using to help transform our business overall has been... Hey, oh, were you listening to that? You really want to hear about this life-changing Shopify app? Here it is. One-click upsell. It's going to help you increase your average order value a lot and increase your profit from your hard work. Zipify one-click upsell can increase your Shopify revenue by 10 to 15% overnight. Created by the owner of a $155 million brand and trusted by over 11,000 Shopify merchants, one-click upsell helps you boost your average order value with targeted upsells and cross-sells. It is no wonder one-click upsell has made its users an extra $316 million in sales. To start your free 30-day trial, go to zipify.com slash Kurt. That's Z-I-P-I-F-Y dot com slash K-U-R-T. And to get an unadvertised gift, email help at zipify.com and ask for the Tech Nasty bonus. Tech Nasty. Uh, there was a, there's a, another question further down the list that I want to jump to that I think builds on that. Michael Polson asks, maybe not quite up your alley, but how would you go about building the perfect team around a Shopify store? Roles, responsibilities, tasks. I know it's one of the hardest things for many stores scaling up their business. See, I think that's, again, it's all just depends on your business I, yes. and how it's structured and like who you have around you and, you know, who has what skills. But I think it should be, you shouldn't try to force people to do stuff they're not good at. You're right. And the quite like, so the, the number of people you hire and who you're hiring, I think that is so dependent on exactly what you said, the size of your business at that time, what you're selling, what your, your existing skills and resources are, how you're selling it. So I think a, a broader answer would be, well, let's look at this in terms of roles and departments. I think it's, it's customer service, fulfillment, marketing, a owner role, which ideally is both president and CEO. So like you are figuring out the forward thinking vision that you're moving toward, like what the goals are. And then also, you know, responsible and overseeing everything as president. Um, but yeah, we've got, so like marketing, so who's going to bring in new customers that sell this stuff? Fulfillment, we got to get this stuff to people and handle returns and exchanges. Customer service, we got to be able to answer questions. All these people have to talk to each other. So we need like a regular they're probably all remote, potentially. So we need like a regular weekly meeting for these folks. And then you still have um, new product development. Who does that fall on? Like we have to come up with the product ideas. Then we have to 
develop them and get them manufactured, whatever that process is. So that's potentially a fourth one. Like that, those are the silos I think you have. And then you start there, and with growth, you're going to add people to those teams and then start breaking those teams out. But like how big and how crazy a team is, dependent largely on the size of the business, but then also somewhat on like how you want to run it. Uh, flipping back, uh, Braden wants to know, is there, any, is there a way to add a link inside a single or multi-line Metafield text field? Yeah, why not? Why can't you just, can't, can't you just add an anchor tag? Aha, that's the thing he didn't know. Oh, you can't just add, oh, okay. I was like, wait, does it escape out all special characters so the anchor tags don't work? No, you should be able to, you, you, so the answer is you have to type the HTML in. Yeah, you have to type a, look, Google anchor tag, and that's what you got to put in. That's how Less you make a than link. a space it's href, href equals, equals slash. <laughs> yeah, you have, you got to type it in yourself. Um, and that's, if you've never dealt with code, that sounds scary, but HTML is a markup language. There's not a lot to it. Just find an example, copy and paste it, fill in your stuff, it'll work. I swear. And you'll feel like a real, real badass if you've never done this and you write your first anchor tag. Let, let's not get crazy. Mm, real badass because I wrote an anchor tag. No. Uh, David, Shopify's share price is tanking like many other tech companies. Do you still see it as the best e-commerce platform going forward? Any concerns at all? Well, the share price has nothing to do with whether it's a good platform or not. <laughs> like, the stock market is completely, completely irrational, so who cares? Um, yeah, I think you have to decouple those things. Yeah, they're not, they're related, but not in the way a sane person would think it's they like, are. Is Shopify still a viable company? And, the, and will, st will it still be an e-commerce platform over the next, I don't know, five-year timeline horizon? Yes. Okay, so I'm fine. I will reassess later. It's like, what are we going to move to? Magento? Barf. Ugh. What else is there? Yeah, I don't... So the, the short answer is, yeah, absolutely. It's still a viable platform. Yeah. Um, and the stock price thing... So you figured this out. You noticed this. So when the... When we were really deep in the throes of the pandemic, before that, e-commerce had been growing at what? 2% a year? Oh, I don't remember the exact percentage. All right, let's call it 2% a year. So every year, e-commerce's share of total commerce went up by 2%. It was it went, a, yeah, it was a steady It was like it was 30 consistent it was 30%, then it was 32%, then it was 34% or whatever. I'm throwing those numbers out of nowhere. Then when the pandemic hit, it jumped up to like 8%. It Hockey was like, sticks. Yeah, it goes into like 8 to 10% in 2020. It does another 8% in 2021. So everyone was kind of like, oh, holy shit, we just, we just made 10 years of e-commerce advancement in 18 months. So what a lot of these companies did and what the market did was they said, well, where we were going to be in 10 years, we got to get there right now because that's, that's where we're at. Everything jumped by 10 years. Only it turns out what's happening is all of that has now flatlined. And so... Obviously, this is helpful for the video, but like if it was going like this before and then a hockey sticked up like that, it's now going like this on the old line, the old 45 degree angle that it was going to be. It's now flattened out and it's going over to where it should have been. So it's not we didn't go 10 years. We did jump 10 years and now we're not going to grow for a little while. It's looking like until it goes back on the trend it was at before the pandemic. So what Shopify did was they said, oh, shit, we got to be where we're going to be in 10 years. And then 
it stopped being like it was going to be in 10 years. Yeah. So they had to let some people go, unfortunately, they, it sounds like. And, you know, none of that sounds good to the market. They laid off a thousand people. And it was which is what, 5 percent, I think it was 10 percent. OK, so they would think they went from 10,000 headcount to 9,000. But in 2019, they didn't have nearly that many people. So they staffed up hugely on the belief, the, the bullish belief. Uh, and I thought the same thing was, hey, e-commerce adoption conservatively just got accelerated by five years. Yeah. And maybe more. And so we're going to staff up to meet that demand. And then 2022 comes around and lockdown is lifted. And now people start going back to stores and shifting spending to things, uh, to a lot of travel, record travel this summer. And so that that reduced um, our e-commerce adoption rate. And the U.S. Census Bureau gives us these statistics. They'll track e-commerce dollars as a percent of total retail spending. Um, and so we're, you know, we're not pulling these out of thin air from a, a government. I was pulling my actual numbers out of thin air. You were air, making but, them up. But, but the sentiment yeah, is the, the same. The sentiment is, is the same. And so that on that news, uh, that hammered the, the stock price, unfortunately. Yeah, and that we're, we're just going to get like zero growth in order to make up for all the years that we, for the two years we had 8% growth. Yeah. And so I would, and what I appreciated about it uh, was that other CEOs may have said like, well, you know, the losses would have been way worse if someone else had been running the company. Good thing I was here. Whereas Toby said, I was wrong. Those were the three magic words in his announcement. I was wrong. He admitted to it. And I think that makes well, makes all the difference. Everyone was wrong. We're all wrong. We thought we, we thought it would go back to like just chunking away at two percent, but now at a higher level. But now it's looking like it's just going to be zero for a little bit. <laughs> it nor it looks like it's normalizing back to the same adoption rate it would have had had that outlier. Had the pandemic never yeah. happened, it's just it's going back to the old line is what it's looking like. Yeah. So. So it's like still growing. It's like yeah, whatever so still you growing. Of, whatever you thought of Shopify in 2019, that's what the same thing is. Is it's going to be? It's just that where we're the fantasy realm where we're all just swimming in Scrooge McDuck money banks. Turns out that's not going to happen. Yes. Okay. I think we adequately answered that. I own stock in Shopify, so you should buy it. <laughs> I got to, you know, we have to issue disclaimers. We are both Shopify shareholders. Shopify shareholders. Yeah. Also, if it goes down, we can't make our mortgage payments <laughs> and our lives will be destroyed. That's, that's not true. <laughs> Here's an easy one. Do you need to create a landing page to capture email SMS texts from a Facebook ads campaign? Or how could we do this? I'm looking to grow our lists as their significant source of our net profit. You don't need to, but it sounds like a great idea. So you probably want to send it to its own landing page. Yeah. If you're using a, a pop-up builder, whether it's like uh, Privy will do this, Clavio, uh, you can have a... Like, in addition to just the pop-up on your website, you could use that to make a dedicated landing page um, or embed it on a page. But, yeah, ideally you want it in a landing page that's like, hey, give us your info, this is what you're going to get, and then you immediately deliver on that promise. Um, you could also try, and these work with mixed results, uh, but a, a lead ad campaign, it's one of the ad types in Facebook, where people don't have to leave Facebook. They could just say, all right, I agree. It autofills, and it's like, do you want to give up your email and phone number to this brand? Yes? Done. And then it just goes in to, like, your whatever email flow. And then ideally you have a, the email flow does the selling for you. So 
if that is one of your goals, that's at least certainly something worth trying. So the answer is, you don't have to do a dedicated landing page, but you probably should. And since it's just a form builder, eh, it's not going to be that hard. I said that already. Yeah. What did you add to that? Nothing. Uh, Nothing. The, you weren't talking about lead gen ads. Scaling up your business by entering new markets. Run multiple stores and deal with... Michael Michael just likes issuing statements. He does not, he's not actually, actually asking questions. He's suggesting topics. <laughs> Run multiple stores and deal with the issue of sinking stock and managing products and content for each country. Or run it all in one store. To my knowledge, markets is not quite there yet. I don't know. Whatever you decide is less of a pain in the ass if you don't want to use markets, which is the thing it was made to do. I must restart these cameras. I saw, I was driving, driving home yesterday, there was a, I was behind a pickup that had a giant fuck Hoonigan sticker on the gate. I want to like get next to him and be like, hey, I win, you bought that from me. <laughs> I was leaving Best Buy and a guy in the car next to me goes, hey, nice rap, referring to the vinyl rap. He had this big Hoonigan sticker on the side. And I said, hey, you big Hoonigan fan? And he got this look in his face. He's like, yeah. And I just said, I built their website. And then I left. And I heard him on, as I'm getting in the car, he was on speakerphone with someone. He goes, this guy next to me in a vinyl wrap Tesla just said he built Hoonigan's website. <laughs> I'm not sure if he, he thought I was lying or not. Does the vinyl wrap Tesla make you more or less trustworthy? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, after we were just like, all right, so when you're committing your, your Ponzi scheme scam, don't post all your stuff on Instagram. <laughs> That's how, like, as soon as someone's engaged in fraud... The step one is they're like, all right, I'm going to buy an absurd car and watch collection. Like, is that the target market for ultra high-end, super premium brands is just fraudsters? Well, I mean, our friend, our old client who was in uh, adjacent to the Rolex luxury watch business, I remember he told us, he was like, you have no, no idea how many of these watches are bought purely with suitcases full of cash, and no one knows that they're changing hands. So the answer is yes. Yes. I mean, okay. it's, that's the entire luxury goods market, fine art market. It's all just money laundering, dude. Oh, boy. This episode was brought to you by the team at Rewind, a trusted Shopify app since 2015. If you're a Shopify partner, join leading agencies like Milk Bottle Labs, Velstar, and Mac Digital Designs, and more in the Rewind Agency Partner Program. You can earn up to $2,000 for recommending Rewind to your clients, and you can rest easy knowing that the hard work you've done for your clients is protected. If you're a merchant, feel confident and enjoy peace of mind that your store is always safe with automated backups. It's like having your very own magic undo button. Learn more by looking up Rewind in the Shopify app store or visit rewind.com. Best of all, visit rewind.com slash Kurt Elster and get a 30-day free trial. Uh, back to our <laughs> Shopify markets question. All right, so if you're going to do, if you're going to do internationalization, so you have a store that serves multiple countries, so it needs to have shipping and fulfillment set up for those countries, currency switching and language switching. And potentially there's like some cultural things that have to change as well. You could have a single store and use some apps and theme functions and trickery. You could use uh, Shopify Plus and Shopify Markets. This is a feature set that you could make work with this. Well, he thinks Markets is not quite there yet. If he hasn't tried it, how does he know for his use case? I don't know. Yeah, I think if like if you're considering it and it'll work for you, because like there's each of these solutions always has some limitation to it. And then, like, sometimes you just get 
early on with a new feature, someone uses it who had some edge case that it didn't fit, and then suddenly the narrative becomes, oh, it's just it's not ready, it doesn't work. Because, like, the first person who used it was incredibly pedantic about something or other. I have not... I have looked through the documentation. I like Shopify Markets. I want to use it. I have not had case or opportunity to use it yet. But I, like, certainly don't sleep on it. I would consider it. And it's better, like, I think that sounds better than trying to string together, shoestring together a bunch of apps. But the the one that's going to give you the most flexibility and functionality and make you tear your hair out is you do multiple stores. I have one store for each localization. And then I have absolute freedom and control. But now I'm managing a network of stores and that your overhead goes way up. And he said, oh, I got to sync, I got to sync orders and inventory. Um, there's apps that'll do that for you. Like, or maybe it just goes into your ERP and your ERP does it. I don't, my answer to this is sure. Like all three of these solutions are viable, which it, whichever one works best for you and don't, don't give up on markets. I mean, my, I, I'll be honest. I don't know if Michael actually has a store yet, but he's like, how, how do you build a team when you have a store? Well, I'm, when I enter new markets, how do I do that? And I'm, part of me is kind of like, Michael, do you have a store yet? Do you, are you game planning out a little too much? Maybe get the store going. That could be the case here. I really don't know. <laughs> but you're, yeah, when you're, it's really early and you don't know what you don't know. And so you, you're trying to be prepared to reduce risk. It is easy to just go crazy game planning out everything. And then really you end up having done nothing. It's research as procrastination. Kurt, have you seen any useful and easy use cases for Shopify flow that makes sense to implement at small volumes of products and with no developer on board? So absolutely do not need a developer to use Shopify flow. That is a no code solution. It's no code automation. I love it. It is on, um, it's a Shopify official app. It's available for plus and advanced plans. That's new that you can get that on advanced. And it's a really cool automation tool and it's got a ton of templates that it comes with. So this is a, a recurring question. It's like, what do I use Shopify flow for? Go look through the templates. They give you dozens of example use cases for how you can use it. Do any of those apply to you? If so, try it. Like trying to work it from scratch when you've never played with the thing is too hard. Start with the template, and then once you get a feel for it, you start modifying the templates, and then pretty soon you're making your own templates. But like here's an easy one to start with. If let's say your average order value is 75 bucks, it would be suspicious if a order over $500 showed up one day. So set up a Shopify flow, set up Shopify flow such that if an order over 500 bucks comes th comes through, it does not immediately grab it and fulfill it. It instead tags it and sends you an email being like, hey, you need to check on this. Often we use it for um, exception handling, where it's like, let's weird, if weird stuff shows up, try and flag it with Shopify Flow. Hannah T. Hannah T, I don't know if this is a brand or a person, asks, if section IDs are stored in JSON files, super technical, then why do the IDs change when you duplicate the theme? Oh. I didn't write it. I asked Ann Thomas. Oh. Ann Thomas, yeah, uh, theme developer. And she said, she also went, uh. But then she's like, hold on. And she I, gave me an answer. All right. Uh, let me just make up an answer that I think is what it is. Okay. Uh, because 
the store is just one big pot of the IDs. And when you duplicate the theme, it can't have two IDs in there because it's all one big pot. Like to the store, it's not a duplicated theme. So that's why it has to change all the IDs on the sections so it can signify this is actually a different section and a different theme. You, all right, here we go. Why don't section IDs stay the same when you duplicate a theme? So you may have noticed if you update your theme or if you duplicate it, the section IDs actually change slightly. So the last part usually stays the same, but then there's this other middle number that gets updated and changed. It's still referenced as the same in the JSON files, meaning that that new um, changed ID will be the same. And so your sections will still appear where they're supposed to. That's all good. However, this can be an issue if you are targeting that ID with CSS, so it's different styling, or the more common use is navigation. So not really sure why Shopify does this exactly. I know that was the actual question. Um, who knows? Maybe it's something to do with how the theme editor works. Uh, it's fully built in React. So maybe they, you know, every time it just happens to create a new ID for all those section templates or section IDs, they're being created dynamically. So maybe that's just something that happens. The main thing though to remember is that you want to make sure that you're keeping track of those IDs if you use them in your navigation and update them every single time so that you don't lose that reference. The other thing that you can do is go in and add a little ID to something that will not change uh, in the liquid code. So don't reference that section ID and instead reference something that's hard coded. So that way you don't need to worry about the fact that it changes each time. So her answer, essentially, was also, I don't know. <laughs> You're not crazy. That is how it works. And the solution is either you got to remember to always update that the section ID you're targeting or try and add your own separate ID that is hard-coded to whatever this element is and then target that. I'm just trying to get, oh, is the use case here? They've written, like, they've written scripts or CSS files to target a specific section ID, a specific instance of a section. Then there's also a, a store that's changing themes a lot. And when they change the theme, those IDs change. Yes. Okay. And we have a, a theme that does this. And my answer is don't do that. Yeah, don't avoid write, it if you can. Otherwise you're tearing your hair out. <laughs> that's, that's specific to um, individual sections. Yeah. Or create, I mean, just create your own section that's going to change. Create your own copy of that section and then give it... Um, a different name. This is the changing video and that video changes all the time. So that's instead of just being video, that section now is called change video. And then that's usually written as a class in the section. And then you just, and if that's the only instance of that on the store, write, then write your scripts or your CSS to target the class change video, which you've created, which you only have one of as its own separate thing that's swapping. Does that make sense? Probably not. No, I'm not as clever. Like I would need to write this down on a whiteboard to follow <laughs> along. We've, there are more questions, but we're running out of time. So I'm gonna pick one final question here. John Taggart says, uh, recently joined the group and loving it. Thank you. We're about to launch our online store at the same time as our bricks and mortar. Don't wanna run discounting to promo. So what other activities should we do to drive engagement? I. Th if you've got, you have a physical store, which means you're selling more than one item, you probably have quite a variety of inventory. Your, that's the thing that your customers care about. So I think your solution here is don't overthink it. 
and you were sending out uh, two consistent campaigns. Here's the here's what's new in the store. You can order it online or come visit us. And here are the top sellers that were out of stock that we have since restock. So what's new? What's back in stock? And you just run those promos over and over. Uh, they're evergreen. They're great. And then in there, you could weave in you know some content stuff. I don't know what your industry or niche is, but yeah, those like those are the go-to. Those are easy. It's not a discount. It's just top of mind. Here's what's available. Yeah, keep it simple. All right, that concludes this episode. Uh, I think I have to go start packing now. If you have your own questions, please join our Facebook group, Unofficial Shopify Podcast Insiders. We would be happy to hear from you. E-commerce marketing is changing. Email is no longer the only way to build relationships with customers. SMS is now the fastest growing sales channel for online brands. And if you haven't gotten started yet, I know what you might be thinking. My customers don't want to receive text messages. Or, I don't think I could drive ROI with SMS. But here's the thing, SMS is where you find your best customers. You don't need to have thousands of SMS contacts to drive meaningful revenue. And merchants see up to a 250% increase in engagement and conversion rates when they pair email and SMS together. Tax marketing is here to stay, my friends. And Privy is the fastest way to get started. Privy gives you access to all the tools you need to grow your SMS list and send money-making text messages. Plus, their full suite of website conversion and email marketing tools. And the cherry on top? You'll get one-on-one -on -one coaching and support no matter where you start with Privy. Ready to get started or just learn more? Go check out Privy on the Shopify App Store and see how you can get started for free today.